We the People, a podcast giving a Christian perspective on news, politics, hot topics, and so much more. Hosted by Rodney Nesmith, worship pastor at New Life Fellowship in Lovelock, Nevada. This week, Pastor Rodney is joined by John Ponder of Hope for Prisoners as they discuss the future of prison reform in Nevada and the nation. The latest episode of We the People will start right after this quick commercial break. Jake from State Farm, I really want that personal price plan. So I'll admit it, I'm a bath bomb guy. Dude, you do not need to get that personal. The State Farm personal price plan simply helps you create an affordable price just for you. For real? Who's ready for their jazz bath? No? (laughs) Who is that guy? Jazz bath? Call or click to get a quote today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And now it's time for We the People. Here's Rodney. Hey, good evening, everybody. This is Rodney, your host for the We the People podcast coming at you. And I've got a great guest tonight. His name's John Ponder, and he's got an awesome ministry for uh, people coming out of prison. And I'm going to throw it to him and let him talk about his life, how he got there, and how this thing works. John, glad to have you on the We the People tonight. Rodney, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor uh, to be able to be here. So, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. So, uh, for your listeners, by way of introduction, my name is John Ponder. I am the founder and CEO of a ministry called Hope for Prisoners. And what Hope for Prisoners does is we work with men, women, and young adults that are exiting different arenas of our judicial system. So we work with people that are coming home from state or federal prisons, city, county jails, drug rehabs, halfway houses, transitional facilities, and the likes. And what we do is provide the supportive services to help the men and women returning back to our community after paying the debt to society. They not only get acclimated back into workplaces, but we make sure there are mechanisms in place through partnerships that we built up with employers that once they get inside those workplaces, they're going to be afforded every opportunity to thrive and be able to grow and afforded every opportunity to succeed. We address the needs for them to get acclimated back into their family, which has kind of been a mismark in reentry since forever. It's like no one's ever paid the particular close attention uh, to the uh, what's needed to help men and women return back home, the wives and the husbands, and particularly get reconnected with their children. So right. we work as best we can to ensure there's a mechanism in place to help with that family reunification component, because everybody on the planet can attest to the fact that if the family life is not right, if the home life is not right, then everything else in the world has a tendency to fall apart. Absolutely. Yeah. And then on back into the process, right, because it's a long term 18 month journey or more that we walk with people looking to do everything we possibly can to ensure that we're helping them to be stand up leaders in the community with an overall goal of them never, ever, ever reoffending again. 
So Hope for Prisons was birthed out of my own personal experiences. I was the guy who was coming in and out of the system uh, since I was 12 years old, in and out of different juvenile systems and prison systems and county jails, countless amounts of time, uh, state prisons. And then I got stretched out in a maximum security United States federal penitentiary behind 50 foot walls where I look back over the last 30 plus years of my life and realized that I had not accomplished anything of great significance. And not only did I not accomplish anything of great significance, I left the path of destruction uh, for those people uh, that I was supposed to love. And for me, that's when I fell down on my knees in that prison cell. And I asked God to uh, number one, forgive me for all the sins that I've committed. 100%, uh, I'm confident that he did. But I also ask him to step in and be the Lord of my life. I surrendered my life to the Lord on that day. I got up off that floor and Jesus took my life in a 180 degree turn in the other direction. And that's when I tell people that he impregnated me with this vision called Hope for Prisoners so that I could turn right back around and help other men and women who were in bondage to those things that I was in bondage to, to do everything I can to untie them from those things and to right. help them to make the neck, take the next step and make the decision to just surrender their life to Jesus. Well, and the way I see this, and that's amazing. I mean, that's all. And you know what? That's the kind of transformation that only God can do. You know, and I know that from my own life, not that I've walked the same road you have, but I've different road, but same transformation process only through Jesus Christ. And but it's people like you that have walked that road that have that unique ability to minister to those that are trying to get out of that road, get off that road. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And I think that that is important. I think that is key. And what yeah. it was that you just described for those of us who God has set us free from many things, right? You know, mm -hmm. there's a passage of scripture that says in Romans 8, 28, 29, and, and Rodney, it says that all things work together for the good. That's right. For those who love God and the call, the call into his purpose. And with the emphasis on that word all, it mm -hmm. says all things, not some things, all things work together for the good, Right. right. And I know that, um, you know, for myself, I and, and many other people, I found myself in situations that were not so good. <laughs> <I found laughs> right. <laughs> situations that was painful and hurting. Right. And so you're standing there and trying to you're trying to stand on that passage description. You're asking God, well, God, how could this right here ever work together for the good? Right. And, and how it works together for the good is when we allow God to pull us through it because we couldn't get through it ourselves. Absolutely. When we allow God to pull us through that and we're on the other side of that thing that we never wanted to go through and mm -hmm. how it works together for the good is when we turn right back around and help somebody else through that same thing that Absolutely. God has just walked us through, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Yep. And I think that by uh, doing that, then um, God gives us a very unique opportunity to minister to people. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's explained in like the like the parable of the of the mustard seed. Right. What yeah. Jesus said in that parable of mustard seed, he said that if you have faith of a mustard seed, right, you can say to this mountain to be cast into the sea. And he said nothing would be impossible for you. Right. right. And, right. and I believe that Jesus was the greatest teacher to ever walk the face of the planet Earth. 
Yeah. And he explained things to his disciples in the parable of the mustard seed. But my question is that if this greatest teacher had ever walked the face of the planet Earth, if he wanted to illustrate the minuteness level of faith it would take to move a mountain, <laughs> why did he use the mustard seed? when the mustard seed is not the smallest seed in the world. Nope. But the answer lies in this. It's the orchid seed. The answer lies in this. The reason why this great teacher used the mustard seed was because the mustard seed was the smallest seed in that region of the world where the people were. Yep. It was he something did. they understood. Ooh, he took something that the people could understand yep. to connect with them to help explain something that they couldn't. That's right. And this is why it's so very important that regardless of what it is that God sets us free from, when we get onto the other side of us, we are very uniquely equipped to turn right back around and minister to people, not from a sympathetic point of view. Mm -hmm. I could climb in your shoes and feel exactly what it is that you're feeling because yep. I've been there. Exactly. I've, I've walked... Look. To coin a phrase, I've walked a mile in those shoes. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I just love the fact that that you're in the position you're in and that you were able to, you, between you and God, work this whole thing out to do what you do and to minister to those that, like you said, need to get reintegrated into society, need to get back to their families and uh, and rebuild maybe broken relationships and you know to and you know build those bridges again so that they can be whole absolutely you know what what what's happening here is the stories of redemption right yep. and god wants people's lives to redeem god mm -hmm. wants the prodigal sons to come home there right? you go there and you most go. Those folks be, begin to come home. Not only does he want the prodigal sons to come home, he wants those people that have no idea who he is to be ministered to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And I was just going to say, you brought up the prodigal and I was like, man, this is, if this isn't what you do, the story of the prodigal, I don't know what is because, and the great thing, the thing that I love about the story of the prodigal son, and it, doesn't just apply to sons it applies to daughters as well absolutely is the fact that prior to god we're all lost we're all that prodigal every one of us mm -hmm. and we're out there you know in the pig pen with the pigs and doing the things that we shouldn't be doing right. and yet when we come to our senses and we realize man i gotta go somewhere else i gotta go home i need to go home to where my father is that's right and the beautiful part, the whole story is beautiful, but the beautiful part is that the father saw him from a distance. Yes. He saw him long ways off and he ran to him That's and right. embraced him in mm. his filth, in the pig, you know, in the slop of whatever he was in and said, right. no, you're my son, you're my daughter and you're coming home and I'm going to put the ring on your finger. I'm going to embrace yes. you and bring you yes. back into the fold. Yes. So you mean, you mean God didn't judge him? The, no, God, he did not. God didn't pepper him with a lot of questions. Where you, where you been? And <laughs> why did you do that? Right. That's right. That's I right. I love that scripture. It says that when the son had purposed it in his heart, yeah, and he mm -hmm. made it home yet, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he hadn't even he hadn't even gotten home yet to go home. <laughs> yep. The father came and ran to him. That's yep. a great word. Yeah. yeah, and that's it's an amazing amazing, you know, thing, and it's just, but that's that's God. That's what he does. Right. Absolutely.
Yes. And I believe that God is raising up spiritual sons and daughters that are inside the prison system. You know, I am yeah. I am ultimately convinced. This is why I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to be in seven different institutions here in the state of Nevada. That's because awesome. I believe that there are uh, thousands of men and women that God wants to be able to he wants us to be able to touch their lives, right? Mm -hmm. To share yep. that story of redemption with them, to be able to get them on track. And whenever I go into prison and I share my personal testimony, and I go a lot deeper than you know what I had time permits here today, yeah. I just tell people that while you're in solitary confinement, whether you're in the prison, you know, God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for me, he would do it for them as well. If That's they right. just give God enough of their time, then God can do some absolutely amazing things with their life. That's absolutely correct. And I have, I have, you know, with a lot of people I've said, you know what? I said from my own, I always use myself. I say from my own personal experience of being out in the world and doing my own dumb stuff and now being, you know, giving my life to Christ and living for him and having him be the head of my life. Mm. I always tell people, I dare you to give God 30 days. Oh, my goodness. I dare you to give him 30 days. Right. And I said, you will never regret that opportunity, that chance, those 30 days, because That's he right. will change your life and you'll never look back again. That's right. Yeah, that is good. That That is good. That's a great word. Yeah, it's like, you know what, you, you, God isn't going to disappoint you. He's not going to let you down. Everybody else can and will, but God never will. Mm -hmm. He is so faithful. Yeah, and I'm so grateful. so grateful for his faithfulness. And I'm, I'm grateful for people like you that have, can come out of the stuff that you were in and then start a ministry to minister to those exact kind of people because they need that help. Oh, absolutely. And I think that what they need is they need examples of, I know that a lot of people want to change. A lot of people want to walk this walk with Christ. Uh, a lot of people want to get out of the gangs and, and take their rightful positions in their home. But it's important that we, we continue to share our testimony uh, so that they can, they can see the examples of what that true change might look like. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And the only people that can do that are us and share our, share our testimonies. That's the way it happens. That's right. Got to show people how to live that that that's that totally surrendered life, right? Absolutely, absolutely, in, in total surrender. Yep. Now, where do you see prison reform heading as we move forward? Where do you see that? What do you see that future looking like? Yeah. So I can I can tell you that um, I have seen some phenomenal things take place over the last you know five eight years, right? When when where prison reform. Uh, in prison reentry um, 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 stands, right? I know that um, I see the, a lot more opportunities for uh, incarcerated people to uh, be ministered to as doors will open up for opportunities for that to go in and share the gospel for vocational training so that uh, we could better prepare them and equip them. Uh, before they get released and get connected right. out, in the, out in the community. I believe the people, and this is what my prayer is, right? I think that we have turned a corner, but not the corner. We right. have turned a corner for people to begin to understand right now um, the, the importance of embracing uh, people returning back to the community. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And if we invest the time, effort and energies in them, then we're helping them be successful out in the community. That means them taking their rightful positions in their home, that they're earning sustainable wages, whether they take care of themselves and take care of their family. And that is going to reduce the future victimization in our community. This is why it's so important that we uh, give this a number one priority. And sometimes I hear people say that, well, we can't afford to do that, right? And I always say to them, uh, you know, what is it costing us not to do it? Right. You can't afford not to. That's the way I look at it. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I think we're on a great trajectory. I think we're on a great trajectory here in the great state of Nevada. I am very uh, pleased with the decision uh, that Governor Lombardo uh, that he's making with Nevada Department of Corrections. Uh, he brought back a, a, an incredible leader, probably one of the uh, top two uh, directors of corrections literally in our country and Mr. James Zarenda. I know he's a big picture thinking person outside, thinking outside the box. I have had conversations with him about the direction uh, that he's looking to take it. Uh, and I think it's gonna be something phenomenal. I think that uh, is going to, he's got a mountain to climb, but I think that he's putting together a very dynamic team uh, to be able to help him execute some of the things um, that is necessary, that are needed, um, you know, in order to, you know, turn our prison system around. That's good because obviously it needs to be done. There's obviously always ways to improve things and prepare people more, like you said, to reintegrate into society while they're while they're still incarcerated, there's sure. ways to get them prepared and things to do, whether it's through education, vocational training, like you were talking about, those kinds of things. Right. Absolutely. 100%. And one of the things I'm looking forward to in the conversation, the conversation I've had with this new administration over corrections uh, is they recognize and understand that, that the culture uh, inside prisons really need to change. You need to be able to create environments where people are going to be able to uh, to learn and to grow and to be able to better themselves. And yeah. I think that that first starts with the you know the correctional staff completely one hundred percent understanding you know the safety and security. But it has to start with the culture change of the staff. You know I I, I like to share amongst um, correctional people uh, a quote that Earl Nightingale once said. And Earl Nightingale once said that. You know, if I treat you as you are, I'm going to make you worse. And I always challenge correctional people to, to think about that, right? It says, right. if I treat you as you are, I'm going to make you worse. And people coming into our nation's prison systems, their, their, their character and moral is bankrupt. If it wasn't bankrupt, they wouldn't be where they are, right? They're, so they're yeah. coming in, not in yeah. a not-so-great situation. But yep. what corrections officers to think about what Earl Nightingale said, if I treat you as you are, I'm going to make you worse. Mm-hmm. That's yep. something that corrections officers should really chew on. And the other part of it is on the back end of what Earl Nightingale said, he said, but if I treat you as if you're already what you have the potential of becoming, there you then go. I hope you to become that. And that's what our correctional system should be all about. There you go. And I mean, that can go right back to the Bible, too, where it says to speak to those things that are not as though they are. 
Yes. You know, speak, speak life into situations. Right. And, uh, you know, and the way I was speak Jesus into situations is really where it needs to come down to. We just need to speak Jesus into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. And that's, you know, that prison is a, is a hard thing to begin with. And, but we need to, like you've said all along and what your ministry does is we need, but in, while they're still in prison, they need to get prepared to get out of prison. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we really focus on um, as we go into the prison, this is what I, you know, train my team uh, to be able to do is to help people to live out what Paul and Silas lived out in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. It's when they were put in prison because they were preaching about Jesus. And they said, if you don't, yeah. if you don't stop preaching about Jesus, you go to prison. And then they wound up going to prison. Right. Yeah. And while they were in prison, the Bible says that they were there and they were praising and worshiping in the middle of the night. Right. That's right. right? And they, they, they wasn't shut up. They were praising and worshiping so much so that the Bible says that there was a gigantic earthquake. Yep. And during that earthquake, it says that the, the walls fell down and the chains fell off mm -hmm. as they were in prison and they were worshiping, right? Yep. Yep. And then as the Philippian jailer saw them all from a distance, he saw that the walls came down. And because he thought that they had escaped on his watch, the Bible says he drew his sword and was getting ready to stab himself and, and then Paul, Paul and Silas said, no, 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 please, no, we're not, we're not gone. We're right here. Yep. The question yep. is, why did Paul and Silas not leave? They were in prison. They mm -hmm. were in chains, combined, confined by four walls of a prison. Walls fall down, chains come off. Why did they not run away? Because they were already they were already free. Because they were already set free. Bingo. And when we can go into prison system and teach people to live free, your freedom doesn't start the day that they open up that back door and you're back right. out in the world. Mm -hmm. You could be behind 50 foot walls in the institution yep. and be discipled and learn how to truly be free yeah and that's when they you'll begin to just live levels of life that most people only dream of yeah and the bottom line is when jesus sets you free it doesn't matter where you are you're free that's right amen you know if the sun sets you free you are free indeed that's a great and, word and that and that doesn't matter if you're behind prison walls or outside of prison walls right you're free yeah absolutely Absolutely. Yep. It's a, that's, that's the great thing about Christ. It doesn't matter where you are. Mm-hmm. Well, good deal. Man, I'm so grateful to, you know, I've had the opportunity to come on your ministry um, and love to learn a little bit more about what it is that you're doing uh, with your ministry. So love to be able to circle back. I, I let Michelle know I had a hard stop um, yeah. here. But uh, but grateful to have the opportunity to, to come on and share with you, and love oh, to serve. I'm glad you came on. I love it. Yeah, love hearing about your ministry and about how you you've got a heart after the after the prisoner, and because God put it on your heart. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. 
Well, John, I appreciate you coming on and I love hearing about your ministry. And at some point, I want to hear a little bit more about your story, but we can we can circle back to that, like you said, another time. <laughs> I would be absolutely honored to come and unpack it in its entirety. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you and give your ministry a plug again before we get out of here. So it is Hope for Prisoners. Uh, you can um, go to our website at www.hopeforprisoners.org. Uh, if you have a loved one incarcerated inside uh, the state of Nevada, remember we are in seven institutions. We can reach out and touch them, begin to provide some services for them. You can certainly call our office at 702-586-1371 or visit hopeforprisoners.org. Awesome. Well, John, thank you again from the We the People podcast and from me, Rodney. I appreciate you being on and I always love talking to a, a brother in the Lord. And uh, that, that's what you are, right? Amen. Amen. Man. Right. God bless you. brother. <laughs> God bless you. Have a great night. All right. You too. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, John Ponder with uh, Hope for Prisoners Ministry. And man, what an awesome ministry it is. Uh, because if we can minister to people and help them reintegrate into society once they uh, once they come out and give them a hope, a real hope, and set them on a right path to so that they don't end up back in prison again or in jail or whatever the case is, man, that's that's a ministry worth supporting. So I was glad to have him on. He seems like an awesome guy, awesome man of God, and he has an awesome ministry. And uh, you know. Just because people make mistakes and go to jail or prison, yeah, they've made mistakes. They've done things wrong, obviously, to get there. Doesn't mean they're unredeemable. It doesn't mean they're beyond hope. Um, there's a lot of what, because as long as we invite Christ into our lives, we have hope. As long as we're alive and breathing, there is hope. Now, our real hope is found in Jesus Christ, let's be honest. But there is hope outside that prison wall. There is hope for them to get back into their families and to be an integral part of society, an important person, part of society. And that's what, uh, you know, that's what we want. We don't want the prisons packed with people just sitting in there forever and never being able to change and never to be able to get out. Um, do they need to pay their pride their, for their penalty? You pay the penalty for their, you know, breaking the law? Absolutely they do. That's why they're there. But once they're ready to come out, they need to be helped while they're there to reintegrate and then helped once they're out to fully embrace that reintegration into their families, into their communities, be able to get jobs and get their life back on track. So ministries like that, I love hearing about it. And uh, we're gonna, we'll have to get, get him back on and hear his full story. And uh, like he said, let him unpack the whole thing. But for now, that's all for We the People tonight. Uh, so for those of you out there that are listening and that uh, subscribe and share this podcast, I appreciate you. We love every one of you. And uh, so please, if you have not subscribed, please do so. We're on all the major carriers. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. We're on all of it. And so you can find us there and subscribe and share the podcast and uh, let's grow this thing so that uh, ministries like Hope for Prisoners gets heard more about and gets uh, in front of more people. So God bless you all tonight. 
thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the, the We the People podcast. Hope you all have a great night and uh, we'll see you next time. God bless.